Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at CAMH.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get. For just $2 a month, that is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. By now, you're probably familiar with the concept of medically-assisted death, also called MAID. It's the right for people who are suffering from terminal illness to choose to end their lives with the help of doctors. If you are in pain that cannot be relieved, if your quality of life is unbearable, and if that suffering is a cruel last chapter for you before your illness claims you, then the law does provide you with the choice of death. But what if your illness is not terminal? And what if the pain and suffering that you're experiencing is manageable, but only if you have enough money? And what if you don't? In Canada right now, there are people who are choosing medically-assisted death, not because their illnesses are killing them or because their pain is unbearable, but because they can't afford the cost of managing that pain. They don't have enough money to get the care that they need to live with dignity. Changes have been made to Canada's medically-assisted death laws that now allow people who are not terminal to seek MAID. Today you're going to meet one of them, a woman who describes herself as being on a death clock. She can live with her disease in enough comfort to make life worth living, 
until her money runs out. At which point, she says, she will be literally priced out of life. This is going to make you uncomfortable, but for that individual and for many other Canadians, that is just the choice that they are facing. Reporter Cherie Suturin has this story. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by like a thousand new supporters, new and upgraded supporters, um, which is a record for us in the first week of our month-long crowdfunding campaign to hit a thousand is tremendous. Thank you. Welcome, new supporters. And that means that we are about halfway to our first new initiative goal, which is Canada Land Back, hosted by Ryan McMahon. We want to bring regular episodes of this podcast to you, hosted by Ryan and produced by Ryan and a team of Indigenous journalists, story selection, reporting. Uh, this is uh, Indigenous-led journalism on the Canada Land podcast feed supported by our network. So please do help us get there if you have not signed up to support or upgraded your support. We do have a long way to go. It is a choice to support Canada Land. It takes like a minute to go through the site. It's kind of fun and you choose which package you want. But I think what you're choosing when you choose to support us with a few bucks a month is something more meaningful, at least to us, um, than a choice between socks and t-shirt and whatnot. We're offering you a choice. And... That's actually something that is pretty rare when it comes to journalism in Canada. I believe in public broadcasting. If I were offered a choice as to whether or not to give some of my tax dollars to public broadcasting, I would choose to do so. But we don't have a choice about that. That money goes from our tax dollars to the public broadcaster, whether we like it or not. You have a choice about subscribing to the Globe and Mail or to a post-media newspaper or to the Toronto Star or Black Press. But that is a choice to get a product because that choice is disconnected from a choice as to whether or not those news organizations exist or not. That choice has been made for you. Um, for better or for worse, the decision is that those newspapers are too big to fail or too important to fail. So whether or not they live or die really doesn't have much to do with whether or not you subscribe to them. They've been anointed the official media of Canada, the, the state-supported media of Canada, and whether or not you support them, whether or not you like what they publish, you've kind of been cut out of the deal. So I know that there are more digital services and subscriptions than ever that want you to support them every month, but I do think that what we offer is pretty special, is pretty unique, because we are offering you a real choice, a choice to have this particular news organization here or not. And when you do choose to support us, we owe you something. We are working for you. We have a relationship with you that is very different than any other news organization in this country. Most of our money here at Canada Land comes directly from supporters. We are not in the business of generating as many clicks as possible to sell your attention to a third party. That's not the main way we make money. Our business is not about getting a bunch of grants and subsidy programs so that we are primarily reliant and dependent on those sources of revenue. We are primarily dependent on you and we answer to you. We are accountable to you. We report for you. Put us to work for you. Please join those thousand people. Help us get to our goal. Go to canadaland.com slash join. Click the link in the show notes. I think it should be an easy choice. I think it should be a no-brainer. It's not a huge amount of money, but it's a very meaningful choice to us. And I promise you, we will make you proud if you take it. Thank you. My name is Madeline. 
Um, although that's not my in real life name. That's Madeline. She goes by a pseudonym when talking publicly about her illness because she feels like the stress of being identified would cause her health to deteriorate further. I am in my 50s, half a century baby and counting. I'm in Vancouver, B.C., and I am like about six weeks away from running out of money. Um, Six weeks away from not getting to stay alive anymore. It's the very beginning of, well, it's not six weeks. Oh my God, it's the beginning of October, right right this second. So I guess it's four weeks. (laughs) I think I keep psychologically wanting to think it's longer because as it becomes closer and closer, so I think I'm playing kind of emotional, you know, um, coping mechanisms with myself. I am focusing on Halloween because I love Halloween. I get to stay alive through Halloween, you know. And it's When I reached her at home in early October, she told me that there were only a few weeks before the money she had left to treat her chronic illness would run out, a countdown that she calls her death clock. Because when the money does run out, she says she will be making a call to a doctor to administer medically-assisted death. And by the time you hear this, that clock may have run out of time. People choosing a medically-assisted death when they would much rather live, that's not supposed to happen. But Madeline isn't the only one. Just this past summer, Dallin Johnstone, a 34-year-old from Victoria, B.C., chose MAID after years of suffering from complex regional pain disorder. He documented his journey to over 35,000 followers on TikTok. In one video, he's in a hospital bed, smiling, while the caption reads, On July 22nd, I will be carrying out with my medically assisted death and have made the decision to donate my organs and eyes. I want to give back one more time. Another TikToker with the same condition, who goes by the handle My Elastic Heart, explains why she was concerned about how people were choosing MAID. And it costs like $30,000. CRPS doesn't get a lot of research or attention, and I think that's in part because it's rare, but also because it's not thought of as terminal in the traditional sense. But even if the disease is nothing that takes you out, living with that level of chronic pain destroys your physical and mental health, and it kills your quality of life. I just wish people understood that people in chronic pain don't actually want to die. We want to live, like, really, really badly. But in order to do that, we need affordable and accessible care options. And right now, we just don't have those. Many people have been raising the alarm about how it's now easier for people with disabilities and chronic illnesses to access assisted death than it is for them to get the support they need to live. According to legislators who put Canada's original MAID laws in place, the option to die was originally intended for people at the end stages of a terminal illness in order to help alleviate suffering. That was the key, that their death was, quote, reasonably foreseeable. But then last year, a change was proposed. After two people with severe disabilities who were not near the end of life wanted the right to die on their own terms, They took their cases to court, and that led to the creation of Bill C-7, which would allow Canadians to get made even if their death was not foreseeable. Here's how David Lametti, Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada, described the bill during parliamentary testimonies. Bill C-7 proposes an important change to our medical assistance in dying or made regime. 
This legislation will prioritize the individual autonomy of Canadians who are suffering to choose a peaceful death if they determine that their situation is no longer tolerable to them, regardless of proximity to death. After much debate, the bill was passed in March 2021 with some key safeguards, notably that there should be a minimum 90-day waiting period for an assessment of all made requests. But there's a problem. See, for a lot of people, being able to tolerate their condition involves things that cost money, things like expensive treatments, assistive devices, or access to home care. The bill did not take into consideration the many people who would choose death not because their conditions can't be managed through treatments, therapies, and support, but only because they can't afford those supports. In practice, the change to the bill now offers these people death as an affordable solution to pain and suffering. And Madeline is one of those people. Madeline lives with a chronic illness called myelogic encephalitis, or ME. It affects multiple systems in the body and is classified as a type of neurological disorder with symptoms like extreme fatigue, joint pain, cognitive difficulties, and much more. ME is a result of post-viral fatigue syndrome, which is sometimes triggered following a serious viral infection. Some experts now suggest that long COVID might be the same as ME or has a similar underlying mechanism. For Madeline, her disease was triggered when she got mono as a child. I caught mono from somebody who had been cleared as being contagious and it was vicious. It was eight months. It was a really bad pneumonia. And then when it was over, I just started catching every single solitary bug that existed. If you walked into the room and thought about having a cold, I had pneumonia. And a series of ear infections until my eardrums burst, a series of urinary tract infections until I couldn't pee anymore. Then when she was in her 30s, still managing chronic illness but pursuing an acting career in Vancouver, she got mono again. And that led to a domino effect of worsening symptoms and new illnesses that doctors struggled to treat leaving her unable to get out of bed or even breathe comfortably. I had come out here from university to, you know, pursue my career. I won an award for one play. I got nominated for another. And then I came down with this mysterious flu that wouldn't go away. And I had a doctor finally say, like, I think that's mono. And after that, all the symptoms I had before became amplified dramatically. Colds and flus, I caught them a lot before. But they were usually like a couple weeks long. After the second round of mono, they were like three, three and a half months at full force, like scaring the hell out of everybody. There's no standard treatment for ME and no cure. Like many chronic illnesses, research into the disease is underfunded. And so it is not only misunderstood by doctors, but the treatments that are available are largely experimental and are not covered under provincial health insurance. So... Madeline was largely left on her own to deal with her health issues. She became unable to work or pursue her acting career and barely able to leave the house. She relied on provincial disability benefits, which is a mere $13.58 per month in B.C., less than CERB payments of $2,000 per month given to healthy people, which she doesn't qualify for. Desperate for solutions, she eventually found a naturopath that took her seriously— and they found that a mix of intravenous vitamins helped her get some energy back. The injections give her a couple hours a day where she's able to be active, what she refers to as her envelope of energy. But the problem is that because these are naturopathic treatments, 
and she's needed more advanced ones over time. The cost adds up, and they now cost over $100,000 per year just to keep her going. And she's run her debt as far as it will go. What I am doing now is catastrophically more expensive than what I did 20 years ago. It gave me a healthy person's five-hour energy envelope. I am now at about an hour and a half energy envelope, and that's garbage energy. But after an hour and a half, all of my muscles start burning like I'm weightlifting. And so I tried to do that, but I was all the time hemorrhaging into debt um, because on PWD assistance, which is what I landed on, because again, straight from university, trying to start my career, I didn't have any savings. I didn't have anything. And so I started hemorrhaging into a debt to a point where I just, you know, it wasn't manageable and I had to stop doing the intravenous. And so the longer this has been going on, like since I had to stop the intravenous, I went from about nine, 10 illnesses at the beginning of my um, disability to somewhere around 25 right now. And so they tend to interact with each other, kind of like, like the real housewives of post-viral syndrome, you know, like imagine like hair pulling and you have to understand that at my current place, I'm at a place of extreme deterioration. Now, naturopathic medicine is controversial. There's a whole other debate about whether it and all kinds of alternative medical practices should or should not be covered by the public health care system. But you don't have to rely on alternative medicine to be in Madeline's situation. It's just what happens to work for her. And it happens to be expensive. She's asked for meetings with her representatives from provincial and federal governments, anyone who she could talk to about the impossibility of living with her illness on so little money. But nothing much has changed. And I had another doctor when I was saying, like, I'm, I, I can't manage on this amount of money. And again, I felt like a failure because the system is acting like you can live on $1,000 less than a healthy person. And I've now come to the conclusion that this is the amount of money that a healthy person becomes disabled on. So, of course, I, as a disabled person, am deteriorating. It's like if I came out of the desert and I'm, I'm like dying of thirst, and somebody handed me a thimble full of water and says, maybe I'll give you another one tomorrow, and expects me to be okay, to not fall apart. So there's been just such a large-scale discrimination built into the lack of support. Recently, Madeline's condition deteriorated to the point where her friends made a GoFundMe for her. And over the past few months, it's been crucial in helping her afford the intravenous treatments. But that money is going to run out soon. And when it does run out, she says she'll make a call to her maid doctor to set up a time to die. Her fear is that if she waits too long, she will deteriorate to the point where she is no longer able to consent to medical care. And where I am is in the maid process, in the medical assistance and dying process. And I don't want to die. But I am heading to a place where I won't be able to move or speak or eat um, trapped in bed in some care home. How do I want to go out? Because I don't have a choice if help doesn't come, if the government doesn't start giving me supports that I need. And I've been trying. But in the meantime, the stopgap is the GoFundMe and money has just been trickling in. And I mean, I'm so grateful for people who shared, but there's also a real emotional challenge to from month to month, not knowing if I survive the next month. And it's strictly begging for help. And then, and you'll have to forgive me because I love cats, but I look at GoFundMe for cats 
getting fulfilled. <laughs> it's like, I'll put ears and a tail on. <laughs> I'll do it. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis. We talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. It doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer. And it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. The Canadian government was warned that situations like this would happen with lots of people if they amended Bill C-7, back when the bill was being debated in Parliament in the fall of 2020. Doctors, palliative care specialists, disability experts, and individuals living with disability all testified to the parliamentary committee. They said that given the limited financial resources and access to care that many people with disabilities have, this bill would effectively lead to euthanasia. Over one-third of disabled people in Canada are living below the poverty line, according to recent statistics. And in fact, BC's disability benefit of only $13.58 per month is among Canada's highest Here's a clip from one of those committee meetings of MP Carrie Lynn Finley questioning Dr. Ramona Colo, an Ontario-based physician. Do you have any examples from your practice where MAID was considered by the patient because the resources for treatment they were receiving were insufficient? Yes, I have had many such death wishes of patients who've had strokes and during COVID there was not enough help to come to the home and couldn't open the containers for them to eat. I take care of very, very marginalized patients. So constantly fighting for things like housing, resources in the home, social support, pain control, access to meds that they can't afford. There are many barriers that lead patients to have death wishes every day. And it is a conscientious doctor on both ends who's going to spend that time with them. But we need that written in the bill. 
And here's Roger Foley, a 45-year-old man living with a severe neurodegenerative disease, who is speaking for himself in his speech to Parliament on November 10th. With the assisted dying regime in Canada, I have experienced a lack of care and assistance for which I need to live. I have been denied food and water. I have not been assisted to transfer, take my medications, and go to the bathroom. I have been abused and berated because I have disabilities and told my care needs are too much work. My life has been devalued. Hospital staff failed to provide me with necessities of life. I was starved and denied water for up to 20 days. I have been coerced into assisted death by abuse, neglect, lack of care, and threats. For example, at a time when I was advocating for assistance to live and self-directed home care, the hospital assistants and nurses were trying to coerce me into an assisted death by threatening to charge me $1,800 per day or force discharge me without the care I need to live. I felt pressured by these staff raising assisted dying rather than relieving my suffering with dignified and compassionate care. These concerns were also raised elsewhere. A Zoom-based disability filibuster in protest of Bill C-7 was held in March 2021, just days before the final vote was to be held. The virtual filibuster went on for over eight hours, featuring disabled people and allies arguing that the MAID bill would encourage and hasten the death of a large segment of disabled people in Canada. People like Erin Novakowski, a 19-year-old student and writer who was born with spinal muscular atrophy. In my experience in the past 19 years, slowly trying to become more independent, trying to get a university education, trying to just sort of make my own life as a disabled person, there has just been so many barriers. And the thing is that right now with this bill, the government is effectively saying, or at least this is how I'm interpreting it, is that it's it's so awful and so horrible to live a disabled life that it's easier for them to just offer us made. And that is just incredibly heartbreaking, of course, because they're making it more accessible for us to die than they are for us to live. And I am starting to get so tired of being reminded every single day that society truly, most of the time, just wants us dead. Despite the resistance, the bill did pass, with an amendment requiring the government to address some concerns by collecting race-based data about who requests and who receives assisted dying in the year following. Parliament also resolved to review the impact of the bill soon after it became law. This was done to find out if the warnings were accurate, if disabled people do in fact feel forced to take MAID instead of receiving real support and resources. So how widespread is this issue? How many people in Canada are faced with only two options, a life in pain or no life at all? I spoke with a doctor who's worked with patients who have requested MAID. My name's Sonu Gand. I'm a professor of psychiatry at the University of Toronto and chief of psychiatry at Humber River Hospital in Toronto. I actually am physician chair of our hospital MAID team, And so I've seen the value that MAID can bring in certain appropriate situations. In terms of the recent expansion, 
However, I have significant concern with the risks of that expansion. He says that while there is no data yet available for people who have received MAID because of C7, he has seen that MAID is being requested by people that were never supposed to be the ones the legislation was intended for, people who never got a chance at dignity. This is precisely the concern that as it's expanding, what ends up happening is that people will seek made for life suffering and social suffering. And whether that's something that makes sense for society, that could be a valid debate. The problem is that that's not the debate that's been had so far. And there's been a very different pretense, a very different assumption of what made is being provided for. You know, the, the fundamental foot-in-the-door primary safeguard, and I think it's dangerous to provide death for one reason when we're pretending it's being provided for another reason. What we're actually doing is, for some populations, that might be true, but that tends to be the more privileged populations who've had a chance to live with dignity. For marginalized populations who are struggling with poverty, with loneliness, with access to care, for those marginalized populations, we're saying we will provide you death that's easier, we'll provide you death with dignity, but society's never given them a chance to live with dignity. He says that while this was likely unintentional, the made legislation also ends up being cost-effective compared to actually providing for social and medical supports for people who are disabled and chronically ill. We also know that providing MAID is, again, I, I really regret to have to use this term, but it's the truth. Providing MAID is cost-effective, quote-unquote. That soon after the initial legislation came in, there was some work in Canada that estimated between, I think it was between about 40 to 140 or you know, 40 to $150 million cost savings initially on an annual basis. Before this expansion in C7 even came in, but it's a relatively significant amount. And none of that actually even takes into account the savings of not having to provide community supports for chronic illness in the community for decades. You know, it's much, much more quote unquote cost effective to provide made for someone rather than decades of not just medical, but community and social support. And so I don't think anyone would suggest that there are conscious motivations that way, but these things do have an impact in terms of how policies may unfold or get entrenched over time. Dr. Gand is also concerned about an upcoming change to the legislation, which would further expand access to MAID by providing it for people with mental illnesses. So... Up until now, if somebody had a mental illness, they could apply for MAID, but they would have needed some other medical condition also that would um, be leading to reasonably foreseeable death. Because mental illnesses in and of themselves don't tend to lead to foreseeable death. And for that reason, it wasn't that people with mental illness could not apply but they would have needed some other reason that uh, met the requirement for reasonably foreseeable death. What has now changed with this 
legislation is that the government is saying that automatically by March 2023, there will be made provided for mental illness uh, alone, meaning that if the only thing that you are seeking made for is, say, depression, you would potentially qualify. So just think about the impact that that has on who would be seeking made. And what my concern is, is that we'll end up seeing essentially two different populations seeking it. One, the more privileged population who does now receive greater autonomy to die on their terms, but that also will come with a high cost and that will be of more marginalized populations seeking assisted dying for social suffering because society couldn't or wouldn't help them in other ways. Which brings us back to Madeline. I'm trying really hard not to freak out because, um, I mean, I'm grateful that MAID exists. It beats the hell out of a prolonged, slow death. But, but that I'm facing death for something that can be managed is bloody ridiculous. And it makes me so angry and I'm, I'm heart-pressed. Every time I like, look it in the eye, I, I feel so emotional. So I, you know, I try to distract myself everywhere I can, but, um, you know, it's right there. It's right there. I, it's not like some mysterious, I don't know when I'm going to die. It's like I die when I run out of money. I, run, I die when I run through the last of my debt window and the last of the GoFundMe. And, and um, it's really hard to just be again and again begging for my life on the Internet. That's your Canada Land. If you like what we do, please support us. Now's the time. CanadaLand.com slash join or click the link in the show notes. Email me at jesse at CanadaLand.com. I read everything that you send. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website is CanadaLand.com. We have so many shows publishing right now. Uh, the Common Season on Mining. There was a great episode of The Backbench, Wag the Dug. Go have a listen to our other shows if you don't already. This episode was reported by Cherie Suturin and produced by Tristan Capicione. Our managing editor is Kieran Oudshorn. Our theme music is by So Called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Once again, we're asking you this month, if you like us, we need you to support us. Thank you. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to and so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. 
A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.